Blog Talk Radio. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Verge. I'm your host, Reggie Yanger, and I'm also joined by Zach Spedden. Uh, we're back for our second episode. We took last week off just to uh, let the minor leaguers catch up so we'd have something to actually talk about uh, this week. So on today's show, we're actually going to get to a lot of information and probably hit on all four uh, affiliates from Delmarva to Norfolk. And Zach, uh, we've had a lot of action, and I'm going to kick it over to you not only to bring you into the show, but to hit on uh, Delmarva because that's a team that you've been following closely. Yeah, that was a um, good starting point. Last night, not the best night for the Shorebirds. Shut out 5 to nothing by the Charleston River Dogs, the Yankees affiliate in the Sally League. But uh, one point of encouragement for the Shorebirds lately is that DJ Stewart is finally starting to make contact, and that contact is starting to lead the base hits. He's 3-13 over his last 10 games, one for two last night with two walks. So the patience, which has been remarkable all year, is still there. He's starting to hit a little bit. But the total results right now, when you look at that triple slash line, still want to see a lot of improvement, 230, 397, 295. So he certainly got a long way to go. But at least now, and I think part of this goes to the pace, is that after a slow start, he's kept a good plate approach and, Balls are finally starting to drop in. You want to see more extra base hits, but hopefully it's a split that comes with time. Yeah, and I think one of the things you mentioned, too, is the patience, which has always, I think, been a strong part, uh, strong point in his game, which is still is encouraging because you don't want to see a young guy who's struggling at the plate start to expand his zone and lose that, uh, that approach at the plate with, you know, making sure to swing at strikes. Exactly, and it's you know, when I saw Stewart the first series going back to that, um, the one game that really disturbed me was the second game in the series where he faced a left-hander. Um, so I heard he, he got up there a little bit with his fastball, and he looked so thrown off at the plate with the timing that I was worried that that game would affect him going forward. But started to creep back in with his patience towards the end of the series, and it seems to have stayed with him. One other player I want to mention, Garrett Clevenger, um, down in Delmarva, 21 strikeouts in 14 and two-thirds innings. He pitched last night, um, three, excuse me, two and a third scoreless out of the bullpen. One issue there, eight walks in 14 and two-thirds. So he's got a little bit of a way to go, but the Orioles third rounder from last year. Uh, some promising early results in Delmarva. Excellent to know. And they seem to be doing, I guess you could say, the best out of the four affiliates, considering, you know, if you if you're – big on win and loss records, which I'm not, but they seem to be the one that's actually winning uh, some ball games. Uh, moving up a level to Frederick, uh, the Frederick Keys, the high affiliate for the Orioles. I had a chance to go out uh, all this week, essentially, and see uh, uh, my second viewing of the team. Uh, Salem Red Sox were in, and if you're not familiar, the Salem Red Sox have basically the best 
I guess you could say lineup in minor league baseball. They have Mancata, Devers, uh, and just a, a ton of talent. I mean, the, the lineup is loaded. Um, for this uh, series, Hunter Harvey was not back, but on a, a good note, uh, he pitched two innings in extended spring training this week, um, touched 98 with his fastball, uh, struck out four hitters, mixed in the curveball a couple times. So that's a good note, obviously. I know he's been, it seems like he's been just riddled with injuries left and right, and he was shut down at the end of spring training with, the, I believe, the groin injury. So he'll be back at some point. I would say that that's obviously a huge boast to Frederick's um, starting rotation. I, I would say you're probably going to see him mid-May, uh, if not earlier. And Frederick, uh, I got a second viewing at uh, of Tanner Scott, and that's a name that probably shouldn't be um, uh, unfamiliar to anybody. He's the guy that you know can hit 100 consistently. Uh, or I, I guess shouldn't say consistently. He's touched out at uh, 100 or 101, but he sits 97 to 98 with his fastball. But the biggest issue again was the uh, the command and the control. Just n- nowhere where it's going. You could see him getting frustrated out there. Um, this is a guy who I, I think in a in a perfect world, if he had control of the fastball, he would be an elite closer. But right now, he's you know his projected ceiling is probably going to be a sixth or seventh inning guy just because you know you can't have him out there walking everybody um i think he's trying to do too much with this fastball right now but the bottom line is that a ball guys aren't going to be able to get around on a 97 fastball consistently so um you know he is flashing a uh, a pretty good slider he mixes in there but with the fastball having zero command issues um that that's something that is going to be need to be improved. Uh, another guy, Jomar Reyes, I know we've talked a lot about and Zach has talked on. Um, I, I wrote him up a little bit uh, on the website, Baltimore Sports and Life, obviously. I think he's trying to do too much at the young age. Um, for his physical appearance, he does look a lot better. I know that's been one of the things where he look, he's looked like a bad body on athletic, but he did some off-season conditioning. I was reading from John Mioli of the Baltimore Sun. I think he's lost 20 pounds, so he does look uh, a lot better physically, but I think he's just trying to do too much at the plate, which can be, you know, I, I think it's a common theme for a young guy. He's still only 19. Um, Zach, what, what do you see with Reyes? Because I know that's someone you've also been following. Yeah, it's not been the best start up there at Frederick, and I agree um, you. He just seems to be doing too much. One of the things that characterized the season at Delmarva last year was that he looked like a player who, for his age, was very much in control of the play. Um, and I don't think that's really been there in Frederick so far. Part of this, in addition to adjusting on the level, and I actually wrote about this a little bit in my last piece on Baltimore Sports and Life, was that in addition to adjusting to new levels, he's basically coming back from the handmade zone uh, that he, the handmade zone issue that he had in the instructional league, as well as some of the injuries that he had last year that cut into repetition and time that could have been valuable uh, developmentally at Delmarva. So it might take a little while. It might even take a full year for Reyes to really get the hang of high edge. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, batting practice, the, the power's still there. I mean, I, I've written him up. I know you have, and anybody who's seen him, the raw power is there. All fields, um, his home runs this year, I think he has two, but they've been to uh, right field 
Um, so I, I don't think the, the, the raw power is an issue there. I think it's more the hitting tool that is lacking behind the, the power there. But just in my viewings this year, I mean, I've seen him a handful of times, uh, maybe six or seven games. Uh, it's just trying to do too much when he gets at the plate. And obviously, I think once he settles down, that's all going to come together. Um, the the yeah, third base. Thing. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the third base position for him defensively, um, I, I, his still has the choppy footwork there, but I think that's due just to the lack of athleticism. Um, arm obviously is not a problem there, but uh, again, I think he's more going to be suited for first base, which makes him uh, puts more pressure on him to perform because if you're at first base, you know, you need to be that power uh, hitter with, you know, at least a, a pretty good average. Absolutely. Now, how soon do you think the Orioles can make that move? Uh, I think they're going to give him another year or two at third base, honestly, just because he's been dealing with the injuries. Um, I think they're going to have people working with him because, again, I think he's a young age. Um, but at some point, you know, if you keep seeing the repetitive issues at third base with the footwork, et cetera, and the limited range, you have to make the call. I don't think it's like the catching position, which we've talked about with Chance Cisco, where um, some of that stuff can be improved, like blocking, et cetera, uh, you know, um, receiving the ball. That stuff can be improved. Now, as far as the footwork, I mean, obviously, you know, once you get into a game, it's a bit different. But I, I think they're still going to give him a chance there because, again, he's only 19 years old. Exactly. And it would be a very, very drastic measure um, for anyone that would have this thought. It would be a very, very drastic measure to move a guy midseason. I would imagine – um, just in my experience working with the Nationals, the typical position transition would take place starting an instructional league. Yeah, And then yeah, you would work through instructional league and into spring training, and then the next year is when you make it. You would never make it in season. And I don't even think it would be a situation where he was a third baseman going into spring training next year and moved to first base. If they're going to do that, they're probably going to start late September when instructional league starts. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, I think it's, you know, and I think we saw that last year with Ryan Mountcastle, um, you know, where he was a shortstop, but once he went to uh, extended, you know, they, they flashed him at third base. Obviously, he hasn't stuck there, but um, that would be something they would work on um, uh, against, uh, I'm sorry, an instructional league um, in October. So, um, another guy, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just about to say, as an aside with Mountcastle, um, I wouldn't be shocked if you start hearing talk about left field at some point later in the year as a position for him. Yeah. Um, that, and, again, that's a, we, we've, we've touched on him. I think that was the guy that was drafted where he doesn't really have a position, so the hit tool is going to carry him. Uh, John Means is a left-handed pitcher uh, with the Frederick Keys. He he uh, was promoted last year from Delmarva up to Frederick, uh, struggled uh, through the year, but now has been added to the, I guess you can call it the MLB pipeline, the top 30 prospects with Tyler Wilson, uh, I guess, graduating off that list. Uh, I've seen Means a couple times, fastball, curveball, changeup. Zach, you've also seen him. Uh, wh- what do you think this means for him being added to the top 30? Well, it certainly puts him on the radar, and I think, to be honest with you, he already had the makings of someone who probably could have been on the back towards the end of that list anyhow without Wilson graduating just because for 
a pitcher in World A last year. He's sort of very advanced field for his repertoire. And one thing, and this was a pretty big contrast from some of the other starters in Del Marble last year, uh, means rarely this is a walk. So in order to get on base against him, you have to put the ball in play. And he's a constant ground ball pitcher. So it's a situation where with a good infield, he might produce pretty solid results. Um, I think what might right now be a realistic outcome for him is that he's almost at that TJ McFarland mode. Um, if his, off, his secondary pitches don't come along command-wise. But I think otherwise, you know, they have someone who could be that swing man, long release, back of the rotation type pitcher, almost, as I said, not McFarland mode. Yeah, I agree with that because when I saw him, uh, he doesn't have a lot of velocity on the fastball. I think he topped out at 91 uh, when I saw him. Um, but the the command was there. He flashed uh, an average curveball, but just inconsistent at times. And then also as a changeup. But I think when uh, I, I initially wrote him up for the website, uh, Baltimore Sports and Life, I had him, or at least I've talked about him as more of an organization arm or long man, a uh, guy that can come in and eat some innings, you know, if your starter gets knocked out early. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be in that Brian Mattis type of position where you put him in the middle of the bullpen and coming out throwing hard and being able to strike out better. He's going to be in that long man role. Um, last year when I saw him with Marva, I think my velocity readings were right around the same, popping out about 91-92. Most of his strength, again, was in getting ground balls. And if he can continue to do that as he moves up, uh, that will certainly help make his case. All right, and uh, moving up to double A with the Bowie Bay Sox, uh, the big news there, which we'll get to when we cover the Norfolk, is Trey Mancini's finally been promoted after uh, tearing the cover off the ball for some reason being sent to Bowie to begin with. But sticking just with that team right now, uh, Parker Bridwell uh, is walking people, I guess is a (laughs) good way to put this. He's got 13 walks and 19 innings, and this goes back to an issue we've seen uh, over and over with him where he has one start that's incredibly great and then he just kind of falls apart and starts walking people. Um, Zach, I don't know about you, but what, it, I mean, at some point, you know, I, I think, I know he's in the starting rotation, but I'm assuming we're going to see Bridwell in the bullpen. Yeah. And that's the two guys there was really that I'm really keeping an eye on as far as command and staying in the rotation would be Bridwell and Jason Garcia. And I think eventually both wind up in the bullpen. Uh, last year was really the first time that I think you could look at Bridwell and say maybe the Orioles can develop him as a starter because the changeup came along a little bit more. Um, and he showed better command up until he got shut down for the year. But this year has not been the best start for him. I don't know if it's the adjustment to double A. I don't know if it's working back from the injury that maybe he hasn't completely found everything yet. But I still, you know, and I don't really change the whole lot in terms of how I view his ceiling. I still think that he could be that sort of Brad Brock, uh, Brad Brock, Brad Brock type pitcher. Sorry about that. Um, you know, throws hard and gets strikeouts, but I just don't think he's going to have the secondary offerings to stick in the rotation. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, again, the change up, I, I think, is probably one of the best in the organization right now, just as far as from a starter perspective. But then again, it's just the inconsistency of walking guys. Um, speaking of bullpen arms, uh, Asher Tolliver, I, I know we've covered him on the website. He's probably not a top prospect that anyone really follows, but he's a lefty that was invited to spring training. Uh, fastball that can touch mid nineties, probably 93 sitting. Uh, and then he also has a change up and I believe a, a slider, but his big pitches are the fastball and change up. He's still getting guys out at Bowie. I think eventually you're going to see him go up to Norfolk's bullpen. Uh, he's repeating Bowie again. Um, he's I, as far as projectability or ceiling, I'm not sure, but I still think he is someone that the Orioles will find use out of. Uh, whether it be uh, an emergency call-up or someone that actually sticks in the bullpen eventually, maybe like a Brian uh, Mattis that goes up. Yeah, and credit to the Orioles for he was a fifth-round pick back in 2009. So give the Orioles credit for certainly having patience and working with him to this point. But the results in Dewey so far have been excellent. Um, I have to wonder if he's going to be someone who gets promoted to Norfolk before a whole lot longer, and then maybe you do see him involved more later in the year. Yeah, and speaking, I know we've been big on pitching. Uh, Alan Mills is the pitching coach for the Bowie Bay Sox, and if you've read a lot of interviews or talked to a lot of guys, like um, Chris Lee had an interview. I know David Hess has uh, sang Alan Mills' praises, but uh, obviously Alan Mills is no stranger to pitching, a uh, former big leaguer with the Orioles. Um he, I believe when he came into the system, he may have went to Aberdeen and Delmarva, and then he skipped Frederick and went straight to Bowie because that's where uh, they wanted him to work with the prospects that were coming up, like the Hess, the Lee, the Bridwell, et cetera. Um, I think the Orioles are very high on him. I think he's had a very good effect on pitchers. I know that uh, Chris Lee has credited him a lot with um, as far as pitching mechanics to get him consistently finding um, – a repeatable delivery. What do you think the um, the Orioles have plans for Alan Mills, uh, Zach? Do you think this is a guy that they're going to keep there? Or do you think they'll bring him up to the big league staff at some point? Yeah, I, I could see Mills on the big league staff down the road. Um, he certainly earned his way, moved his way up to the farm system. He's earned it. Um, right now, if you look at Mills and certainly what he's doing with Chris Lee, I think it's going to be something that everybody's going to have their eye on because, Lee is one of those guys who has come out of nowhere, good year last year, and off to a pretty solid start in Bowie again. So while I don't think Alan Mills' status with the organization is completely tied to one player, I do think you might be able to look at Chris Lee as the example of here's what working with Alan Mills did for this prospect who had good stuff all along but just had not quite honed it yet. And certainly if Mills has that case study, in his favor, you could see him in the big leagues or even as a pitching coordinator down the road. Yeah, that's a good point. They may want to just leave him as a pitching coordinator in the minor leagues. That's a way so he can work with the guys as opposed to just being focused on the big leagues. I know he's also, I know you mentioned Lee and I mentioned Hess, but I know he's worked with Hess on a uh, two seam fastball, another pitch to uh, add to his arsenal. Um, Norfolk tides. uh, We'll get to that. Um, Obviously the big news. I know we've got, uh, uh, Ariel Miranda to cover Oliver Drake. Um, but obviously the big news is Trey Mancini. Zach, uh, take it away with Mancini. I know this is something that everyone has been waiting for. 
yet, and it's been so far after Mancini got off to a slow start over his first two games, um, has started to pick it up of late in Norfolk. The other night he goes uh, three for six against Indianapolis, one for three over the last two nights. Um, I don't expect Mancini to necessarily put up the homer totals that he was showing in Dewey, mostly because Harbor Park is a really, really, um, especially early in the year like this when you have that damp uh, air coming off the water. But Mancini should thrive in Triple I I don't really have any expectations he'll do anything otherwise because he showed that he can handle Dewey. He seems to be getting a little bit better with every level. And I think he'll settle in in Norfolk over the next couple of weeks and really solidify his case as the best hitter in the Royals farm system. Um, again, this is something that we've been waiting for for a while. It's something that probably should have happened on opening day, but now that he's there, we can just kind of sit back and see what he does. Yeah, and one of the questions is, obviously with Chris Davis locked down at first base, um, you know, I, I – there's lots of talk about people switching positions, et cetera. They did it with Chris Walker to left field. I think Mancini's a bit different. I don't think Mancini can play the outfield. That's just my personal opinion after viewing him. So he's either going to be a DH if he gets called up or if there's an injury or he's going to get traded. Zach, what what do you see happening as far as uh, future with the Orioles? I agree, first of all, that I don't think he's going to be an outfielder. I just think the footwork and the foot speed with Walker was a little better from the beginning, and that's why the move to left field made more sense for him than it did for Mancini. Uh, keep in mind that with Pedro Alvarez not having the best year right now, that maybe the Orioles are going to need help at DH at some point. So I wouldn't be shocked if Mancini is at least given a couple weeks uh, to look before the Orioles decide whether or not they need to go out and trade for a hitter at the deadline if Alvarez continues to struggle. But, yeah, I would say that his future with the Orioles, unless he is traded, probably comes in a situation where after this year the Orioles decide they're going to fill the DH role internally and promote Mancini and maybe give him a look at first base as they move Chris Davis around a little bit. But obviously he's not going to be the full-time first base and as long as Davis is under contract, and can play the position. Um, but as far as the trade package goes, I think it's kind of going to wait and see right now to see what the Orioles are going to go after at the deadline, assuming they're still contending at that point. And uh, Dario Alvarez, uh, I, I said we were going to touch him. He's still in Norfolk. Um, he's played 22 games. He's 27 years old. Um, I, I think we both can agree this is what, Dario Alvarez is going to be. He's probably going to be a guy that goes up an emergency uh, quad A type of player. He's hitting 264 with a 304 on base percentage. He doesn't have a home run yet. Uh, 11 strikeouts. What, what do you see for uh, him? I, I think you could take the label you just gave to Alvarez and maybe give it to mostly North like outfield. Uh, Henry Uridi is there, Xavier Avery. Um, maybe you still hold out hope for Christian Walker. But, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of Alvarez. Uh, the Orioles have had a couple of opportunities now to give him a longer look in the major leagues, and it just hasn't worked out yet. And, you know, when I think he, when Billy Rickard came in this year and outperformed basically the entire Orioles system of outfielders and earned that opening day, well, I think that's some kind of clear signal, not just to Alvarez, but to Iridia, Avery, and the others down at Norfolk that, 
this is kind of where the team is right now, and I don't see that changing over the long run. Yeah, I agree with that. And sticking with the uh, the Cuban theme here, Ariel Miranda, uh, he was a guy that the Orioles signed over the um, uh, early last year um, during play. Went to the GCL, went to Frederick, went to Bowie. Is now uh, with Norfolk. He started uh, four games with the Norfolk Tides. Um, he he's kind of an interesting character. His he doesn't have a lot of uh, umph on his fastball, but his splitter is his best pitch. Um, my thing for him is he seems to be a fly ball pitcher, which can get him in trouble just simply because his fastball doesn't have a lot of movement or a lot of velocity. Uh, what, what do you think the Orioles are going to do with him? Do you think that he's just there filling a spot or uh, does he eventually get a shot at the big leagues? I personally don't see that just again, because I don't think he has a lot of the strikeout numbers that, uh, would, would play up at the major league level. Plus, uh, the fly ball ground balls. I mean, he's only, I know when I saw him in Frederick, he went a whole game without getting a ground ball out. Um, so Zach, what do you think about, uh, Ariel Miranda? I, I think that's, again, a pretty fair assessment for Miranda. The one thing that you have to keep in mind when you look at the oil farm system in comparison to the major leagues is that once they get to Camden Yards, if they're a fly ball pitcher, that flaw is going to be much more exposed than it was in the minors. And I'm sure the Orioles are looking at that with Miranda. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets up to the majors at some point only because of the general nature of his pitching that you can, you know, it's a cliche, you can never have too much pitching, but the fact is that with the way injuries go sometimes, just being in AAA and being a healthy arm that they can go to for a spot start or for two or three starts off someone's on the DL gives him an advantage. But outside of that, I agree with you. I don't think you necessarily look at him as that arm who either develops into a rotation guy or if he can be the bullpen arm that comes up late in the year and helps the team. I, just, I don't think Moran is in that category. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think the key thing, like you said there, is because he's a healthy arm at Tripway, so if they need someone, they can call on him. So that's all we have for uh, this week's episode two. Thanks for joining us. Uh, be sure to check us out on the website, Baltimore Sports and Life. Get involved with the uh, forum. There's a lot of information going on there, whether myself or Zach is uh, entering information in there from the games we see. And uh, and also look for us on the website uh, with different uh, write-ups regarding prospects. So thanks for tuning in to The Verge Episode 2, and we'll see you next time.